0: So we're in week three of a five-week series called More Generous People Equal a Generous Church. And um, money is one of those topics that when you talk about in the church, some of you get weirded out by it. And even if it's like your, your first day, you're like, oh my gosh, I came and he's talking about money. Yes, I'm talking about money. And some of you, you've, you've, you're weirded out hearing about money in church because somebody's probably weirded you out about it. And other people just, you know, it's not a big deal. You kind of have a good understanding of how finances are necessary for a church to kind of do what the church hopes to does with the vision and mission that that said church has proclaimed. Um, and I get both sides of it. Here is, here's my tactic when it comes to pretty much everything. I'm just going to shoot you straight. And you may, I hope you like most of it. I don't know. I don't do very well beating around the bushes. Um, but I'm just going to talk about... Uh, what, how I understand and how I've seen God move, not only in my personal life, but in the ministry that I helped start in Shawnee and helped start here in Etcherton, uh through Casey and this awesome team here. And so um, just here we go, right? So the only thing I know is just to start. So I want, you to think, I want you to start with me by helping me out, by thinking about, in your mind, when I say the word generosity, who comes to your mind? When I talk about being generous, when I talk about someone who's just a, just a very gracious giver, who who is the person that comes to your mind that you personally know? I want you to see them. I want you to see their face. All right? So play along with me. Do this. all right? When you got it, just raise your hand. Put it down real quick. So I know that you're you're, you're seeing somebody. Play along. There are some of you. Also, awesome. thank you for participating. A right. handful of you, great. No one else knows anybody. Generous, great. So it'll be good. You get to be the person. This is mine. This is a Garland Robertson. Uh, Gar. Let's just grand grand uh, grandsons. Uh, uh, James and Wyatt. Um, And uh, Garland was my boss for 10 years when I was in South Florida. I I hired uh, at this church called Flamingo Road as the middle school pastor. And in some time, Garland was a student pastor. He moved into a different position, and I took over his responsibilities. And uh, Garland was a mentor for me and then just became a dear friend and still is a dear friend. Uh, He's a huge Miami Hurricane fan. He's been a season ticket holder since 1977, Uh, he's in South Florida. Morgan, who was up here singing, she's a gator. We don't like gators, right? I'm a hurricane. And I'm I'm a hurricane fan. My wife graduated from the University of Miami. My my wife is Pastor Garland's favorite student ever. That's gone through like she could do nothing wrong, right? And she hasn't. I like married the Holy Spirit. I can get away with nothing, right? (laughs) Always marry up, right? Well, Garland, that, that that smile. The reason I chose that picture is I didn't like choose the best picture of Garland as a smile. This is who Gar is. Like, if you were to hang out with Garland, it would take you about five minutes to absolutely adore that man. Like, there is an army of people that would attack hell with a water pistol for Garland Robertson. Why? It's because he's hands down one of the most generous people I have ever met in my life. I can't tell you how many meals Garland Robertson has paid for me. I mean, I went to work there when I was 23 years old. And I can't tell you the breakfast, the lunch, and the dinners where Garland said, Hey, I got it, bud garland's bought me a bicycle garland helped me buy a, a trailblazer one time he co-signed right he co-signed for me to, so i could help me get a car uh, garland uh, along with my other buddy charlton as two single guys in south florida helped us buy a townhome that my wife and i eventually bought charlton and garland out like when we, we got married like garland is he's been extremely generous personally to me garland's also extremely generous to the church we we're part of i mean i kind of had some insider information garland was one of the top givers in the church, And he was a pastor, didn't make a lot of money, but he was extremely generous. I've been with Garland and his, uh, and his going out and after a lunch of stuff, or we would go by a, another staff member's house or a friend of his house. And I've seen him have an envelope with several hundred dollars in it, put it in their mailbox with no name because he knew they were on times and struggling. I, I mean, I, I've witnessed that man do stuff that is just kind of honestly uncommon. When I think of generosity, I think of Gar. And I'm telling you, the only times I've seen that man sadder or crying is like when his heart's hurt, loss of his father, situations like that, or when his hurricanes get beat. That's it. <laughs> That's it. The dude's generous. Here is my hope, right? And Because money is not a topic that we avoid at New City Church. It, it's a necessary thing. It is my hope that when down the road, when somebody... Is ask the question, hey, who do you think is someone that is generous that your face and my face would come to their mind? I want to point my feet financially in a way that when my girls and my son are older and they think about generosity, what I just said about Garland, they say about me. And when somebody talks about generosity, they think of you. But I'm telling you, it will never happen. Most people aren't generous. How easy would it be for you to think of people when I said, who is not generous? Oh gosh, I got all these little bubbles of faces come up all around your face, right, or in your mind. A lot of people aren't generous. Man, those who are, it's very intentional. This morning, I want to talk to you about how might we point our feet in that direction. Most of us in this room, most of us, are not going to go from where we are to extremely generous in one message, one day, but I want to show you steps in that direction. I have a pop quiz for you first. The pop quiz is this is in your bulletin. It's a really important, question, all right? Do you think God needs your money? Yes or no? Man, you guys are so smart, right? No, God doesn't need your money. God is not up in heaven searching through the heavenly couch cushions looking for gas money. God's not flipping out about how He's gonna make rent. He's not worried about those things. The scriptures say that Jesus or that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Now you know what that means, right? Because that's not the kind of the culture that we, that we, that we are in. But I, what I believe it means is that God's got a whole bunch of it. And He's not ever flipping out or freaking out or worried about what's going. Here's a, just kind of a think if you want to get your mind going. God doesn't need your money. If God needed your money, that would make God dependent upon you. And that, therefore, would make you more of a God than He is. We are dependent upon our God. He is not dependent upon us. There's something for you to think about. Does that mean that, um, uh, that, that for this church to continue to do uh, what, we're gonna, uh, what we're striving to do as a congregation, as a vision, as a mission, as an organization, both in Shawnee and Edgerton and future places, does that mean it's completely dependent upon the people of New City? Well, it's the church's responsibility to fund it. But I'll tell you what happened two years ago. And some of you have heard this story, but I think it's, it's amazing. We had a person come to New City Church and give me a, uh, I believe it was eighteen thousand dollar check. But there's more to the story. Little Steve Harvey, is that the guy's name? The the old radio guy. What's his name? There's Paul Harvey. Steve Harvey's the guy on Family Feud. Uh, There's more to the story. So get this. Several years ago, on summer, we had this group come in from Colorado Springs, 130-something people come in, adults and teenagers came in, and they did a VBS for our, our church. They, in Shawnee, they, they, uh, they, they did all the work and just used it under the, the, the new city name. Just gave us a lot of great publicity and served our neighbors. It was super kind and generous, right? That next year, my wife, uh, who handles the church phone, um, the cell phone, she got a call, and this, you could tell it was a kid. said, hey, I want to... Uh, I'm going to be in Kansas City, and I want to give, give a gift. I want to meet with a pastor and give him money. Well, that's weird because that hasn't happened, hadn't happened yet for me. And, and, and she goes, listen to this message, and you could tell like it was a young person. And I'm like, and they want to meet with me? That's just weird. So anyway, I said, okay, you know, and my expectations are really low. Well, come to find out, there was a young lady who had just turned 18. She had been a part of that camp a year earlier. And when she turned 18, her dad had zero to do in her life but had left her a trust fund. And when she turned 18, she got this large sum of money, and she felt like she wanted to tithe on it. And she felt that God said, give it to that church plan in Kansas City. And so she drove from Colorado Springs to, to Shawnee, Kansas, and meets with me in this little room, and she says to me, this, little, this 18-year-old girl, so tell me how your church is doing. It's kind of weird, you know? And so I'm giving this report to this kid, all right? And I have no idea. I'm just giving this report. And so she finally, like she says, well, you got a pen? And I go, well, I do." And I handed her a pen. And she writes out this check for 18 grand. What? What? It's like God said, Matt, you follow what I'm asking you to do, and I got this. I got this. The heart of New City Church, guys, is this. We will always, I'm just gonna speak in context here at Edgerton, we will always run after the city of Edgerton. Baldwin City, Gardner, and the surrounding local communities. We will always run after them. But at the pace at which we run is greatly dependent upon our tithes and offerings. We're always going to run. I'm telling you, we're always. You, you see that already. Many of you are in this room because of the missional and the great neighboring that Casey and the crew has done here in the city of Edgerton. That will never stop. It is my prayer that Casey and this team become the pastoral team for this entire city. I can never become that for Shawnee. It's way too big. It's way too big and it's way too many other things around. But Casey, I know you guys could completely saturate every neighborhood, every street, every home. They can at least know who you are, where you go to church and what God you follow. This could be the church for this city. You guys know that, right? The pace at which we run, however, that help us get there quicker is going to be dependent upon how generous we choose to be. Andy Stanley, a pastor that I really enjoy listening to out of Atlanta, he says it like this. He says, generosity is something God wants for you, not from you. Generosity is something God wants for, not from. Like God wants to see that big smile on your face. Generous people are typically happy. Don't confuse generous with wealthy. We know miserable, wealthy people, amen? I wonder what it's like. But I I mean, I don't know. It must be nice, right? Right? But you know what? Generous people are typically, typically very happy people because they're a walking, they're a walking blessing. But if God doesn't need our money, I think a good question that one could ask is then why 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 does the scriptures talk so much about generosity? Why does the scriptures talk so much about giving? Why? Why is it important, Pastor, for a church to be generous? Well, I want to just kind of quickly respond to that in John chapter 5. Jesus says this, to tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself, he does only what he sees who? The father doing whatever the father does the what son also does well, let's continue that thought if jesus only does what the father does right whatever jesus does if you want to fill in the blanks i also should do our mission statement here at new city church is that we would inspire our community inspire people inspire you to trust in and live like jesus Man, I'm telling you, as a pastor, if you're not yet trusting in Christ and you're trusting in other things to get you through the day, man, I want to inspire you to devote your life and your heart to Jesus. And after that, how do you then begin to live like Him? Whoa, we are not a church that believes that you go to some church camp, even super summer, and have an emotional moment and pray a prayer and say, I want a free ticket to heaven, and then go do whatever you want. Show me in Scriptures, Old or New Testament, the God, the Messiah, the first church, who had no care or concern how the people of God lived. I think what you will find in the Scriptures is that God is a Jesus as the early church who was very much concerned with how we lived our daily lives and what we did with every resource and every opportunity God gave us. That's what you will find. God greatly cares. God greatly cares on how you represent Him out there. So whatever Jesus does, I also should do. And think think about it like this. Jesus gave out of love. Jesus didn't do all the things that he did out of manipulation or out of frustration or out of uh, being uh, told to do it or forced. Jesus gave everything out of love. And I, my, my uh, encouragement to us is that we should follow suit, that we should do the same thing. Now, this is really important because some of you have never heard me talk about money. You've never even heard me speak before. Listen, I we want... The, the people of New City, like if, if you're like visiting, you're just checking us out, just maybe take some notes. But if you call this place home, this is where you come to worship. I, I want you to hope, I hope one day, if not already, that this is a place where you can cheerfully, cheerfully give your hard-earned resources. But until you're there, we can't be the excuse that you, for you to not give. The scriptures are clear about generosity. So until we've earned that trust, find the family, find the organization Send it to the folks in Nepal, but find a place to be generous. And then, once you kind of can trust this organization, this church with your resources, with your, with your giving, then, man, become that cheerful giver. And I want to kind of speak to that, um, why I believe. I, there was a time in my life when I, I thought the tithe was a, more of a sin issue. And I, 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 would be, I was really, you know, in my uh, great experience of life, I'm, I'm 37, I'm not very old, and then I was even younger, I thought I really had a good understanding of things. It's funny how that typically is true for all of us, right? The younger we are, the smarter we are. Then the older we get, the more we don't know anything. Yeah. Um, but I used to really believe that, man, that it was all about the tithe. It was about the tithe. It was about the tithe. And if, if, it, if you weren't given 10%, you weren't being obedient, right? I don't know if I believe that anymore. I do believe that the tithe is a great biblical principle that is said, there's a biblical truth and biblical principle set aside for the tithe. But I don't think if you're given 9.9, you're going to hell. Okay, let me kind of explain why I believe that. And if you believe that the tithe is there, great, live in that. Okay, um, I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, second, uh, First Corinthians. Actually, it's not First Corinthians, guys. It's Second Corinthians, chapter eight, there in your bulletin. This is Paul's second letter to the church of Corinth. And look what he says. He says, "But as you excel," and so he's talking to this is the second letter, uh, letter to this church in Corinth. He says, "But as you excel in everything." Now, this is good for us, right? Because look at what this church has done in just a few short months. In the first quarter of 2015, this church has excelled in a lot of different ways. And Paul says to this church in Corinth, But as you excel in everything, in faith, and speech, and knowledge, and in all eagerness, and in the love from us that is in you, make sure that you excel in this act of kindness too. In some versions of the translations of the Scripture, it'll say, In this act of grace... In some translations, your Bible might say, even in this generous act of giving. Paul is talking about a donation that is being asked of by the Corinthian church. And he goes on, he says, uh, so he says, make sure that you excel in this act of kindness too, in this act of giving too. He says, I am not saying this as a what? A command. Listen, I'm not saying that anyone in this room has to do this, but I am testing the genuineness of your love by comparison with the eagerness of others. And if you want to kind of a Bible study this week in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, just before this scripture, Paul is talking about the church in Macedonia, which was a very poor church, and yet they had chosen to be generous out of their little in help and need of other people. And so Paul's speaking, he's going to compare them. He says, uh, he, he's talking about comparison of the Macedonian church. And then he even, then goes to the other extreme. He says, for you know the grace. Now that word grace, in that previous words that we use, this generous or this act of kindness, the, the, the words that were used there for grace and act of kindness are the exact same words. The exact same words. And so for you know this grace, this kindness, this generous act of giving of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was rich, he became poor for your sake so that you by his poverty could become rich. Paul is saying, listen, guys, we need to focus. We need to point our feet in the direction of Jesus. It's not a command, but boy, is it a great idea. Man, the reason that some of you have got holes in your pockets and the reason that you just can't get ahead financially is because you're not modeling your financial structure after Jesus. You're modeling after what you think is best. And I'm telling you, that's never worked well for me. That's never worked well for me. Um, I want if you turn over, I got we got a ton of blanks on the other side, but some of this stuff is I just think just really good financial understanding for me anyway. It's very simple, very practical. But Jesus doesn't force you to to do anything. You need to know that. Jesus will if you're waiting for Jesus to force you to follow him. Better grab you a Snickers bar because you're going to be there a while. right? He will never force you to be obedient. He will let you go your own way. And He will let you receive, good or bad, the consequences of the decisions that you choose to make. God will never make you, never make you be generous. It doesn't matter if you're a young guy, young lady starting out, or if you're in your retirement years and you're on a set income. He's not going to force you to do anything at any time. However, Jesus invites you to grow in your generosity. He invites you to grow up in your generosity. And here is so this is the principle that I love, man. If there was one thing that I could get into your brain and like tattoo, and it would always be there, it be this next statement. You can never outgive God. Like I mean, if, if you would just believe that, you can never outgive God. There is no way God is gonna let you outgive him. There is no way God's going to let you out. Bless him. There is just no way. I'm not talking name it, claim it. I'm not talking blab it, grab it. I'm just telling you, God's not going to let you do better than he does. But it sure is fun trying. It sure is fun trying. Did you know that when it comes to your giving, that's one of the few areas, maybe the only area where God says to test him? He says, try me. See if you can outgive me, buddy. Now, I don't know what happened. I'll tell you what crazy thing happened. I know what happened. I don't know what's happened since. Two weeks ago at the 5 p.m. service in Shawnee, I'm taking up the offering right at the very end of the service, and this guy, Jay, stands up in the back of the service, and in front of everybody says, Matt, can we do an experiment? Says it out loud in church. There's first-timers in the room. This is not a small group Bible study. Can we do an experiment? I go, no. Everybody laughed. And Jay, I said, Jay, come tell me the experiment first before I agree. I mean, who knows what this guy's going to do? Jay comes up and he goes, I want you to take my wallet. He goes, "I want you to take whatever is in there and I want you to put it in the offering bucket." He goes, "I want to trust God with everything that I currently have." What? I said, "Jay, listen. This doesn't mean that you're going to win a lottery tomorrow, brother. This doesn't mean anything." He's like, "I want to just I want to trust God." And he did. And it wasn't just a little bit of money, man. He had a, I saw some $100 bills in there. Some 20s and some ones. I mean, I'm like, Church. I didn't tell this is not a this is not a plant. I didn't tell him to do this. And we took time and just prayed for Jay. Now I have heard that Jay's faith has been increased over the last two weeks. Jay's still poor, just so you know, right? But it was interesting. Jay said, I want to believe that I cannot out give God. I want to show you this morning a real practical example with this ladder right here that I think will help us hopefully take steps towards generosity. I want to tell you why I gave this, a version of this sermon a year ago in Shawnee. And the reason I chose to do it again uh, today, and I'm actually doing it in Shawnee next weekend, is because it had a great financial impact on our church. And I, we don't talk a lot about numbers, but I've got to tell you this. Because at the time, this church wasn't existent as far as New City. And at the time in Shawnee, prior to this illustration that I'm about to give, our average uh, weekend giving was around $7,700. Actually, it was $7,700 every weekend. The Sundays that followed, the immediate Sunday that followed and since then, our weekend average went from $7,700 to almost uh, a little over $14,000. What? Now, why? No one in this room is stupid rich. But well, here's what happens. When, God, when, when, when people who have very, I would say, insignificant sources of income all begin to be generous... God takes insignificant and does something very significant with it. Are you with me? New City Church, right? One church, two locations. Some of the things that we've accomplished over the last year apartment in uh, Arbor Square, where Jake and his wife, not Melanie, Marjorie live. Casey, right? Sorry. Casey and Jake are real close. Uh, They actually are. Um, But Marjorie, where they live, and we have a, a mission out there. We're doing a Thursday night homework and community meals help. 60 people. Four weeks old. Sixty people are coming to that. These are not sixty people from New City Church that also come to Thursday nights. These are sixty people who live in Arbor Square who are coming for a community meal and getting their kids helped with homework. They go to Shawano Elementary, the same school where my children go and Keith's and Laura's daughters go. Listen, sixty people. One of the reasons that's happened is because people were generous enough for us to. You know they don't give us that apartment for free, right? I mean, we have to pay rent every month. We have to pay the electrical bill. How are we able to do that? Because people chose to be generous. Now, I don't know if anyone in this room, on your own, could do that for an entire year with just what you make. But all of a sudden, you put a lot of insignificant stuff in the same pot, and it becomes very significant. Guys, we didn't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on this on uh, renovating the paint. We didn't do that here, but it it costs more than ten grand. It cost more than 20 and I don't know the exact number, but there were several thousands of dollars spent just making this place a little bit prettier, right? Just, I mean, just stuff that happens. I'm just telling you, the reason that happens because people chose to be generous. There wasn't one donor in Shawnee that said, I got this, brother. Nobody said that. We got no stupid rich people. If they are, they haven't told me yet. We got a lot of people who said, you know what? I'll take a step towards generosity. And when they did, man, did God go to work. And we're just getting started. We've said from the get-go, and this applies in every area that I know, guys, we ain't playing church. There are so many places around, and I'm not dogging guys. I'm just saying there's a lot of places around that'll let you play church. We ain't one of them. We, didn't, we weren't planted from churches who were interested in playing church. Man, we're very interested in seeking and saving the lost through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're passionate about that. If it takes a community meal and homework to get in front of Nate and a bunch of other folks, and you can bet your sweet dollar, we're going to do that. It doesn't matter. We're going to be as efficient as we can. Let's talk about this generosity ladder. Here's the first step, all right? The first step, can't see it, but you'll have to trust me. The first step is a first-time giver. Like, if you have yet to give any kind of gift, financial gift, to this congregation or to this church, you, you are not yet on this ladder. It doesn't mean that you're not generous. I'm talking about the context of New City Church, okay? But once you give your first, your first gift, you are on this ladder of generosity as a first-time giver in the context of New City Church. In the first quarter, Edgerton specifically, there's been 20 families that have come on this ladder. It's pretty cool. You can clap for that. That's pretty awesome, right? So 20, 20 families said, you know what? I believe enough in this mission and what you guys are doing, to give something. I don't know what something they gave, but 20 families said, listen, I believe giving is not just something we do at the end of the service. I believe it is a very, very, very spiritual thing. Paul says, as you excel in faith and in kindness and in truth, also excel in this generous act too. It's a very spiritual thing. It's like one of the only very objective spiritual things that you can do. Do you love enough? I don't know are you kind enough? Ah, some people would say yes, other ones would disagree. But every single time you get resources, you get to choose whether or not you are going to worship God with what he has trusted to you. It's very, very objective. That's the first step. And once you take that step, you can't take it again. You can only be a first-time giver once. Wah, wah. All right, here's the next step. After that, most people become an occasional giver. Talking about New City Edgerton, New City Shawnee, and churches all across America. Most people live in the occasional giving zone. What this means is at the end of service, when the offering bucket comes by, most people aren't prepared, and they do this. Oh, hang. Now, and you do the wallet dance, the wallet rush, and you determine what you want to give in that moment. Now, here's the bad news. The Matt Millers in the room, guess what you get today? Nada because I never have cash, and it's not because I'm married, right? I don't have cash because I just, all my cash is on my debit card. I don't, we don't have card readers on the side of the buckets, right? And so if it's a spontaneous, not prepared, occasional gift, we're only going to get what you might have on you, and you're only going to give what you deem in that moment without putting much thought into it is necessary for that moment. Here's what I would say to anyone in this room who's going to continue to attend New City Church Etcherton, New City Church Shawnee, or any church anywhere else. Maybe you're just visiting. The offering time should never catch you by surprise ever again. Every church does it. They may not all pass it. Some of them have it in the back of the room and it's very private. Whatever the method is, the giving time should never surprise you ever again. You should see it, hopefully, as an act of worship where you get to choose right, what you're going to do. I would ask that you not stay on this step very long. Now the next one is the step that will completely transform a church, and it's becoming a percentage giver. I'm not talking about tithing here. I'm talking about that when you come to church, you are prepared to give a specific portion of what you're going to give to that place. that you're prepared, whether it's one percent or 30,000 percent. we can't do 30,000. 100 percent doesn't matter that you're prepared, that you have, you have thought about it and when that bucket comes by or you've gone online and you set up your automatic draft or you're doing text to give or you're mailing a check, whatever it is that you have and your family has predetermined that I'm going to give this percentage, this step right here and just a lot of average Joes making an intentional decision on what they're going to give will not just change, it will drastically change the financial climate of this church. Let me say this again. If you guys in this room who are right here, will be intentional. And you choose and you pick what percentage you're going to give. It won't just change. It will drastically change the financial climate of New City Church Edgerton. It'll make a world of difference. In Shawnee, a year ago, we went from 7,700 to 14,000. Because people, I'm telling you, it's not because they went to these next ones and I'll get to them. You kind of know where they are probably. But it's because our church went from here, from people doing the mad dash wallet grab, to coming in knowing, to setting up on their bank, to being prepared to give a certain portion back to God. I wanted to put this in here. On this step, you develop the attitude of gratitude. This is is where I think you begin to worship with your money. I'm not saying that you're not thankful here, but when you, when you know that you're given X percentage somewhere specifically, whether it's here or compassion or you're digging a well, or again, you're sending it to Paul or helping out another church planner, wherever it is, again, I'm not commanding you to give it here. I'm just talking in the framework of New City Edgerton how this plays out in the church context. But when you get here, it's an act of worship because you're thinking about it, and it's very intentional. You have the attitude of gratitude. And here, you, what percentage of the resources? Now notice how I worded this. This is very intentional. What well, percentage of the resources God has trusted to me will well, I give back to God? Do you notice the difference there? The resources God has trusted to me, meaning God has given you, this is a foundational belief for me, everything that the Miller family has is not because Matt's really stinking awesome and talented. It's because God in his great grace has chosen to bless me with my wife, with my kids, with my income, with my possessions. We'll pick it, it doesn't matter. I view everything comes from God. Everything. And so the Miller family then gets to decide what percentage of that do we believe the Scriptures ask us to give back? And then how, and see, notice what I said. The Miller family gets to decide what percentage of that we get to give back to God. Are you, are, you, are you kind of following me? Guys, this is an act of worship. Matt and Jen Miller never give on accident. We never give on accident. It is always on purpose. And when a church gives on purpose, I'm telling you, it drastically changes the financial climate of that church. Now, here's the next step. The next step is the tither. The tither is 10%. The tither is 10%. Now, the reason I always want to let people know that the tither we're going a little long, but it's going to happen, all right? We may not want to do the last song, whatever you want to do. But the, the, the reason we want to identify the tither as 10% is because last uh, two years ago, I had a lady email me. that said, Matt, could you uh, find out what my tithe was because it was tax season. She needed to report what her tithe was, her, her words, her tithe. And so I did the research for her. It was $40. Now, two things. Either one, that young lady only made $400 that year and has got a lot of financial issues and she needs some serious help just to give by. Agree? Or she doesn't understand what the tithe is. I know her. It's number two. Okay? The tithe is 10%. 9.9 is not tithing. 4% is not tithing. A tither is those who give 10%. It's, kudos to you, it's a lot of faith, and it's honestly appreciated, I would say, in the eyes of the Lord, but most people don't go from first time or occasional to this, because your budget's set, you're not stupid rich. Now, I think this is a great place, I think, right here, when you think about spiritual blessings that are found in scripture, I think a lot of the verbiage that you find is under the idea of the tithe, right, that's a whole other talk, that actually it's more of a conversation than a sermon, because this right here, I like to have a little back and forth, because we, it's not about arguing, it's just we can just look at the scriptures. But a lot of times it's taking a step. That's why I left a wrong right here. How do you take a step to get to this? If you can go right from nothing or a little bit occasional to a tither, God bless you. Right? But the thing is, how do I get there in the last step? And this is where I'm directing my feet in my life, just so you know. Way up here to the extravagant giver. How many of you have ever heard me give you a sermon on going to the gym? I don't talk about it because it's really hard for me to do. I used to never go. Now, I'm going a little bit, but I'm not, I'm not bold enough yet to talk about something that I'm not very good at. This right here is not up for debate for me and my family. Five years ago, Dan Sutherland, pastor of WhatsApp Family Church, he's a dear friend of mine. Rick Woodbridge knows him very well as well. Me and Dan were in conversation, and Dan just out of nowhere said, you know, me and Mary, his wife, made a decision several years back to give every year to increase our giving by one percentage point. Dan wasn't telling me to do that. He just talked about it in a conversation. And I went home to my wife. And I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? How might we take steps towards generosity? That was five years ago. The Miller family, 15% of everything that we make is given away. 10% for sure to the local church. The extra five, we do whatever we want. Most times it still goes back to New City. But if there's a church planner or somebody in need, We'll use that resource and we'll just kind of use it for however that we feel. We call it the nudge fund. However God wants us to bless with it. Can I tell you something to look at me? Do I look like I'm starving? God's still taking care of me. Now, do I drive the Jeep I want? No. Can I be real honest with you? If I didn't do this, I'd have my blue soft top four-door, half-door. I'd have it. When you get too extravagant, every time I see a blue Jeep, There's a bar right beside Shawnee's campus, and some punk owns the Jeep I want that goes to that bar. (laughs) And every time I walk out, I'm like, I can afford that if I didn't choose to look like Garland. Now, I'm telling you, there's going to come a day when you're going to see me pull up here to teach on a Sunday, and the wind's going to be blowing through my hair right? I'm telling you, there will be a time when I'm able to save for that Jeep, and that's what me and my family are working on. Having a Jeep is not a sin thing for me, but just right now in my life, I'm not able to have that and be generous. Are you with me? And so I save towards that goal. Guys, how do we take a step towards this? Here's how you can help us out, okay? This is in your bulletin. This is the first time you've had it. We started this last year, and for many of you guys, you're new to the party. But this is, what, how can we accomplish a commitment to more? Like how can we accomplish continuing to plant new churches, continuing to do more missions? I'm just telling you, I'm a dreamer. Good or bad, I'm a dreamer. There is a lot of Jesus stuff left to do in this community. We ain't got it all done yet, church. And I invite you to join us in this awesome effort Here's what I would ask you. Number one, what is God saying to you about your generosity? Number two, how will you respond to what God is saying? Number three, walk in faith towards what God has asked. There's four options right here for you. First option is this. I'm new to more, making a commitment of whatever you would agree upon at a weekly, monthly, or yearly gift for 2015. Put that in there. Not today. This is for you to take home and pray over. No rash decisions on this. Oh my goodness, no... Listen. The reason that we're in this room right now, with these lights and these fans and these TVs, and the kids are underneath us, and the ministry that happens in this is because a year ago, people in Shawnee did this, and there are several Shawnee families that call this that that are here now. Heather's being one of those. There's people that made sacrificial gifts so that this kind of ministry could happen. We're asking you to join the party because we ain't done. Second thing would be this. This would be um, for some of us that were already a part of more. I'm involved in more and would like to increase my regional commitment. I'm at number three. I'm already a part of more and would like to continue my commitment. That's what I've checked. And then some of us, I have a one-time gift of property or assets that I would like to, I would like to donate to the church. This is not a command. This is not a command. The only thing I know to do, church, is to speak honestly and open about it, tell you a little bit about my story without saying so much that you think I'm bragging about it because I'm not. But I'm, God has put great opportunities in front of us. And, dude, I want to run to those as quickly as possible. Amen? So we invite you to play with us. But we're going to run. We're going to run regardless. Man, if you guys want to come on up, whatever you're choosing to do, Pete. And um, I want to pray for us in this. Father, I, I pray that if I have said anything that would be considered offensive God, that I would be given great grace, and um, that was not my heart at all. But God, as the spirit of generosity, Father, that we might be able to uh, do something really great together. So, Lord, bless um, this conversation. Let it kind of soak into the minds of those who heard it. And, Father, might we respond with great, great grace and generosity. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.